Here now a reading from the letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 19. Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is the reason that I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us believers. This power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, we begin a brand new sermon series. You'll remember that after Easter, we did a series called Faith Matters, and we talked about the Christian faith and the theological foundations that the church is based upon. Consider this series kind of part two to that. But instead of looking at all of Christianity and beliefs in a larger sense, we're going to zoom in and focus on why it's important to be a part of a local congregation why being part of a community of faith is important. Why do you think that being part of a local congregation, a church, is imperative to our faith? Or maybe you don't think it is. I'd like to believe all of us here see some value because we're here, right, together today. But whatever thoughts or doubts you have about being a part of a local church, I hope that we can address some of those during this series. And the best way I know how to talk about why the church matters is by focusing on four areas that I find to be super important about who we are as a church. Pray, grow, serve, worship. Each week, you guessed it, we will focus on one of these. And like Meredith said, and I teased at the beginning, we start with prayer today. How many of us have ever prayed? Show of hands. And any type of prayer counts, yeah, okay. In general, prayer is not something that necessarily differentiates Christians or churches from others. Prayer is actually a practice in almost every single religion. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, even Wiccans have prayers that they say together. I'd argue that prayer isn't even used just by those who claim faith. I wonder how many people have yelled out in moments of desperation or out of joy to something bigger than them. 
even if in normal circumstances they would have never cried out at all. When we talk about prayer or meditations or maybe even mantras, most of us here know what we're talking about. And there are a bajillion ways of how to pray. Yes, the scientific term for that is bajillion. And you heard Meredith say that she enjoys journaling as she prays. There are intercessory prayers and confessional prayers. You can pray by using the Psalms or the Lord's Prayer. There are prayers in our hearts that are never said aloud. There are prayers screamed out in the dead of night. There are prayers before meals. There are prayers before sporting events. You can even color while praying or fall asleep while praying. Quick plug, if you're interested in learning about the different types of prayers, we actually have a men's Bible study that will be on prayer that starts next week. And if when I said praying while coloring, you were like, oh man, that sounds like something for me. We're going to have a prayer while coloring retreat in November, November 6th here at the church. Okay, plug over. We're not going to focus on the bajillion types of prayer today. We'd be here all day if we did so. Instead, I want to challenge each of us to think about how prayer works to connect us with God and how prayer works to connect us with one another. I'll pray for you. It's a term used really often, but rarely is it a meaningless phrase. When someone tells you, I'll pray for you, how does that make you feel? Thought of? Appreciated? At the very least, it acknowledges that someone else sees you and feels compelled to pray on your behalf. As a youth pastor, I once had a student ask me to pray for their sports tryouts. I told them, of course I would, and then I followed up with them the next week to see how it went. It turns out they didn't end up making their team but they were so appreciative that I had kept them in my prayers, even though their results didn't end the way they had hoped. When Jake and I had our son Miles last summer in the middle of a pandemic, we couldn't have visitors with us. We couldn't bring Miles to church to show him off to everyone, but the church still showed up for us. Many people reached out and told us they were praying for us, and it meant the world to us in that moment. The prayers didn't stop the middle of the night wakings. The prayers didn't stop the fear that comes with being a first-time parent. But the prayers reminded us that we were not alone. It connected us with a larger community, especially in a time of isolation. It felt like a big, tight hug from our church family that let us know that we were loved, that we were cared for. 
The scripture reading reread from Ephesians is found in the New Testament, and it is written to a church, the church at Ephesus, and they are a people who believe deeply in Christ. They are a people striving to be better followers of Jesus. And in this letter, the author is giving a prayer of thanksgiving for the Ephesians, for the many ways they've shown up. It's a beautiful prayer and is a prime example of why prayer is an essential part of who we are as a church community. The author of the letter acknowledges the people's deep faith and then encourages them to keep their eyes zeroed in on God and to work together as a common people. As a local community, we're called to pray for one another. We're called to check in on each other, to take interest in each other's lives, to truly listen to our brothers and sisters when they share what's on their hearts. When we pray together, when we check in with the people who we worship with, with the people we're in small groups or Bible studies with, when we do these things, we set aside a little bit of ourselves and make room for someone else. We practice that radical love that Jesus demonstrates throughout the Gospels. And starting here at our church, at our faith community, it gives us an opportunity to reach out to one another in a safe space. If I were to walk up to Emmy and say, how can I pray for you today? I promise you, she's not going to laugh in my face. This is like a test tube where we can experiment and see how we can get comfortable in asking others how we can pray for them. When we begin by caring for the people here in our community, by praying together, it's natural that it will overflow into every area of our life. This is a safe space for us to explore and practice that radical way of love Jesus taught us. Have you ever asked someone how you can pray for them before? If not, consider this your invitation to do so. Even if it's someone you've met for the very first time, and friends, if someone asks you how they can pray for you, try to think of something, even if it's for your little potted plant outside to grow. We all have things that weigh us down, even the tiny things. And sharing that burden is part of who we are as a church community. People who love each other, people who care for one another, people who pray together. These early churches that we read about in scripture, they had to rely on one another for safety against persecution. And they also had to create connections through their faith. I have no doubt that these early churches prayed together and that they prayed for one another. Prayer connects us with God. It helps us keep an open, honest dialogue with our creator. 
Prayer gives us an opportunity to make space for God in our everyday lives, to take away from the me, me, me that we're all guilty of centering around, and instead gives us an opportunity to have a one-on-one time with a God who loves and cherishes each of us. Prayer also has the added bonus of connecting us with each other. Prayer is an essential part of who we are as a community of believers for our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Prayer matters because it bridges the gap. It helps us go beyond ourselves and out into the world. This summer, our, serving, or our care ministry team that you saw a video from earlier, they made crosses. Maybe you saw them out in the atrium. There were 1,530 crosses in our atrium, and each cross had a student's name written on it, all the way from our preschool students up to even some people working on their master's level work in graduate school. Every single cross was taken by another person or a Sunday school class to be prayed over. 1,530 people being prayed over by name by this community of faith. That's a huge thing. That's a huge act of love and faith. Here in our modern space, we actually have a prayer box right at the back of our space, and it is always here. We encourage you to use that as you wish. If you have a confidential prayer, if you just have something weighing down on your heart, jot it down on a sheet of paper and rest assured it will be prayed over. That's how we love on you. We pray for you. We pray for the people in your life, and when we do so, it connects us together. If you're with us online, maybe you're thinking, man, how am I going to get my prayer in that box? Don't fret. You can also submit prayer requests at cumc.com prayer. In Meredith's children's time, she gave us another awesome example of how to pray for one another. Our chapel here at Christ United, Candler Chapel, was recently uh, enhanced, refinished, uh, added to by the men's service group. They added stone to the front. There's a new altar. And then, like Meredith showed us, there's actually a wall at the back of the chapel. It reminds me of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. It's a wall where you can write down a prayer and stick it in and know that it will be prayed over. There's a ton of ways to pray. Prayer happens all over the world of people inside and outside of faith. And that doesn't make it matter any less here today. Prayer is important to who we are as a people. It's important to our relationship with God and to one another. Prayers for sports tryouts, prayers for those who are grieving, prayers for those who are celebrating, prayers for those who are just kind of feeling meh about life. We believe prayers are important. 
my challenge for each of us today is to find some way to pray for someone in this community. And if you want bonus points, try out one of the prayer options I've given you. A lot of us uh, feel called to prayer. We feel like prayer warriors. And if that's you, we also have a prayer team that prays for the congregation throughout the week. There's a number of ways to pray and love and support the people here. It's what makes us a community, a community who love one another. I encourage you to find a way to incorporate prayer into your life this week in a way that works for you. Maybe it's journaling, maybe it's listening to music, maybe it's one of those bajillion ways of praying. But I encourage you to take that step. I want to end today with a certain way of praying. We're going to read a prayer from one of my favorite literary characters, Anne of Green Gables. L.M. Montgomery writes this through Anne. Why must people kneel down to pray? If I really wanted to pray, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go out into a great big field all alone or in the deep, deep woods, and I'd look up into the sky, up, 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 into that lovely blue sky that looks as if there were no end to its blueness, and then I'd just feel a prayer. However we pray, may it be something that connects us to something bigger than ourselves. Amen.